Fullcast and crew is part of the Chuckler Podcast Network. Other Chuckler podcasts include Frontispiece. Books are more than books. They're talismanic objects d'art capable of transporting us into the lives and times of others. This week on Frontispiece, author, director, and activist Stormy Daniels on her new tome, Full Disclosure. This was like, you know, just do yeah. an intro, do your overall impression of the movie, my overall impression of the movie, jump into the full cast and crew stuff, uh, including production roles, then talk about the soundtrack, the directing, the cinematography, the editing, other stuff, and or all not. that within <laughs> all that within an hour, <laughs> within a tight hour. hour. What do you think? I think that's. I great. don't know. I have two other suggestions that were given to me as the voluminous feedback, overwhelmingly positive feedback. I might add begins to come in from the first two episodes, which have been released at the time that we're taping this. Yes. Um, one was a suggestion from Ross Rosen, our friend and colleague here at Meeting House Productions. Hmm. He's the guy who tells us no. I was about to say, like, great, who he's, did we slander this He's time? the guy who says you can't do that most of the time. But he had a good suggestion. He listened to the first two, and he said, you know, you guys need an ending. It just ends. He's like, I'm, I'm driving to my car, and I'm, like, looking to see. He, he's almost got an accident because he didn't know if, like, the feed cut off or his – uh, his okay. player had stopped because we just we just stopped talking. We don't I mean, we don't, we don't wrap it up at the end, which I thought was a button. True, but you know, but yeah, it, maybe he needs more of a more like. This is the end of the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what he needed. Now withdraw your podcast playing device from the speaker. The other the other piece of advice that I got that I thought was pretty good, and I I, I was always I didn't know how much of this anybody actually cared about. He this is my friend AJ Cashew said. I'd like to know how you why you guys are doing. Why are you together? Who are you to each other? How do you know each other? Who are you like? Mm-hmm. Because I think reasonably we expected and expect that most people that are bothering to listen to this have some connection or are like blood relations. <laughs> but apparently, you know, if if you're not related to us, you actually may- do want some context. Maybe. I yeah. don't know. So beginnings, middles and ends, Chris's. I guess that's what we can all work on. But everything else, everything is else is totally Except fine for the beginning. Everything else is and, great. And uh, that bit in the middle. No, but I do also want to say thank you to everyone who has bothered to subscribe and follow and listen because it's been pretty great. I mean, I yeah. have to say, we're having fun, so let's jump right so into it. Exactly. Uh, this is Full Cast and Crew, to give it a little context, mm. uh, a podcast that awards a film the coveted honor of our going down the rabbit hole of the Full Cast and Crew section of its IMDb page, coaxing forth meaning, dancing with its animal spirits, divining the divine fire that burns at its very heart, and reading like runes the unlikely connections, weird trivia, and strange quotes to determine where this film sits in the grand cave painting that is human culture in the patented full cast and crew way that has made hosts Jason and Chris household names. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to class it That's up. That was, great. you know, one bit of reaction can that I got from a, like, from a prince. Can you come up with a new version of that every week that's better and better and better each week? I, yeah, I, I okay. may sometimes have to make it worse just for variety's sake, mm, but- Okay, if but you yes. have to. Okay, so A Star is Born. This has been a buzzed about yeah. uh, episode. The peanut gallery, yes. as you referred to yes. the other employees of Media yes. House Productions, uh, we're all wondering. They're all wondering. Thought. What do you think about it? And a good what does Chris of- think about it? Yeah, and a good deal of them, the, the more popular ones, all mm. went to the film last night together. Indeed. Excluding certain other uh, employees. Yes, they attended a, uh, I believe, a PGA screening PGA of the screening. film. And their reaction to the movie was, I think, overwhelmingly uniformly positive from yes. the little bit that I touched in with them about. Um, so, Chris, I think we could start with you and your overall opinion of the movie to just jump right in. I thought it was fine. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I do, actually, do you have any more to say than it was fine, or that's yeah. the sum total of your? You know, I uh, am well known. Uh, well, to whom I am known, paging Doctor Ego. But okay, yes. Uh, that music is not something that particularly interests me. Okay, and uh, musicians less hmm. so. Not interested so, in the lives of musicians. Yeah, I also don't haven't particularly liked Bradley Cooper in anything I've seen him in before. Once it started, I was really into it. I, I thought the opening concert, the the way that it put us in, you know, Bradley Cooper not only directed the film, but he also plays Jeff Bridges playing a uh, country music singer. Wow. I actually, again, like because I don't usually like him, I, I 
actually found myself really taken by his character, despite that joke, despite the fact that it is very, very similar to every other male musician I've seen. He did inhabit it in a way that it did mm-hmm. feel real. I thought the meet cute between he, or I don't even know if you call it a meet sure. cute, between he and Allie, Lady Gaga's character, uh, there was a lot to it and a lot of really subtle gradations that went into the way that they interacted. And you learned a lot about the characters very quickly in a way that didn't feel forced. The me? That's you. You just write that now? I liked that the assuredness of Bradley Cooper's direction, he allowed the scenes to be kind of long. He had a sort of distant view with a lot of it. All of those things were great. Somewhere about a third into the movie, though, the sort of sincerity and the sort of wrinkles seemed to just sort of plateau. It did find the story getting smaller as it went on. And I think ultimately the, um, spoiler, the, the suicide felt... I didn't see how it all added up. So it ended up not moving me in a way that I think it was meant to. There was something that, that to me was simply simply missing. Okay. So it was fine. Well, that's, that's very well said. I, perhaps unsurprisingly, had a different take than you. What? Um, I, I really liked the movie. I, I'm not going to say I loved the movie. It wasn't an experience at the movies where I'm immersed frame by frame and completely captured and just blown away and wrung out and feeling like, wow, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. However, I guess I would say that I liked it enough to have some quibbles with some things along the way, mm-hmm. but that overall, I, I bought in and I was I was along for the emotional ride. I was moved. I cried. I was impressed with a lot of the creative elements of the filmmaking any movie directed by an actor, you're going to have scenes that are a little baggier than they would be yeah. in a in a direct in a director director who's not an actor. Um, but I think that worked in this movie. Um, I was engaged. I was often engaged in a, almost a seat of my seat of my seat of my pants, seat of my chair, sure. edge of my chair, Either, both edge of edge, my pants, edge of your pants. Yeah. Where is this going away? And I'm not saying that that wasn't fraught sometimes with some uh, discomfort you know, uh, or some fear or that sense that you can have when someone is taking an incredibly vulnerable risk and maybe it's not 100% panning out. We're not quite sure. I had some of that. Um, For example, the scene in the parking lot during the meet cute Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden she breaks into song unprompted in the parking lot. It's It's uncomfortable. It's vulnerable. It's awkward. But man, it was real and it got me. And it's not the oh, kind of, it's the kind of scene and setup that I'm not inclined as a, as a human to get, but I, I bought it, you know? Um, and I'll say I'm with you because that, yeah. that's like toward the beginning when I, and precisely for why you said it's a very vulnerable move, both yes. on her part as a character, yep. on his part as a director yes. to trust that somebody singing a cappella in a parking lot, a song that nobody's ever heard before, even though we know, you know, Lady Gaga's got a beautiful voice, uh, that's that's still it's so emotionally open and available that that yes that that like you said you you're you're cringing because you know it could go so wrong mm-hmm. and and I think for me ultimately the first thought I had when the movie finished was this is ultimately a story about vulnerability and the idea of authenticity mm-hmm. okay and I think it's that's the story of the movie that Bradley Cooper wanted to make I think it's also the story of Bradley Cooper directing the movie. The act of directing a movie is a bid for a type of authenticity that perhaps you don't often get bestowed upon you as an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, He's saying, I have something to say, and I'm going to marshal all of the incredible forces required to make a feature film in order to try and say it. Mm. And as we know, that can be incredibly difficult to pull off even under the best of circumstances. I think he pulled it off. I think he pulled it off and then some, because for me, the bottom line was the emotional reaction. It just, it got me. It moved me. I could quibble with this and that, and we'll get into those things. I, I too, had mixed feelings about the ending. I thought the suicide, while I understood it, and I actually haven't seen any other iteration of this, mm-hmm. this movie, and I don't know if that's what occurs in every version that the guy kills himself. For this, and partly because of my own personal experience in the in, in some of the aspects of what he's talking about in, in terms of addiction and recovery— there's a part of his suicide that felt both bruisingly real and a little bit inauthentic to who we'd come to know and love 
as as Jackson Maine as a character. The unresolved nature of that, that's the point of decisions like that, of people who are trapped in an addiction and can't get out. It doesn't always make sense, and sometimes it makes the wrong kind of sense. So as a narrative thing, maybe that's part of the A Star is Born story mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you know you can't change because that's what Chris Christopherson's character did. That's what you know, Frederick March, Frederick I think. March, yeah. or, or or whomever. I don't I don't know. Um, Can I ask to go back to the question of uh, what do you think Bradley Cooper had to say or wanted to say with this structuring it, the story that the way that he yeah. did? I I got lost in what that was in the sort of last I don't know quarter of the yeah. movie. You it's, mean got lost in the wrong way? Not not lost. Got lost but, yeah, in yeah. the wrong way. That, that sure. I, we're, we're presented with two characters. One we're given at face value is the authentic character. He's a grizzled country Western troubadour. He's real. He's not a creature of artifice, of pop music, okay? We're given Allie, who is raw and, and has not yet stepped into the arena. And so in her own way, she too is, is vulnerable and authentic. Then the journey that she goes on is a journey of authenticity, which makes some stops along the way in inauthenticity. But then ultimately, I believe she finds her voice as a character and we're led to believe as an audience that she has taken a little more control over her career and has swum through some narrow channels and come out a little bit more authentic than she was in the middle part of her character's arc. He, however, and this is what I think was really interesting to me about the movie, and this, this is one area that I thought elevated it above what it could have been. I think it's a brave thing that through the course of the movie, there's several scenes where I believe the point of the scene is to show us that the authenticity we as an audience member innately gave Jackson Maine in the beginning is actually not that deserved. Mm-hmm. That his appearance and sound, his very voice is a product of inauthenticity. He he takes steroids to keep his voice that low for crying out loud. Okay, you know the scene where he's getting a shot in his ass? Yeah. He's telling the doctor, yeah, sorry, you know, I, was, I wasn't feeling what my voice was getting up into my natural voice, my natural register. At the very last scene of the movie, after the suicide, when she's singing the ballad that he left unfinished, they show them at the piano together in their home, and he's singing the song in his natural register. He's not singing it in the deep Jackson, mm-hmm. Maine, Sam Elliott register. That coupled with the scene where he says, uh, you know, I didn't steal your voice uh, to the Sam Elliott character. It wasn't he, it wasn't dad that I idolized, it was you. I think in our own way, we're shown that he is as much a show pony as she is shown to be when she's doing the, you know, why just shake that ass song and she's going on Saturday Night Live. I liked that shake that ass song. Well, everyone does. Well, I, I think you're, I don't think you're meant to hate the song. Like it didn't seem particularly inauthentic. I, I think her well, journey and loss of authenticity and maybe it's because again, you know, you're projecting what you what one knows right. about Lady Gaga, and uh, she is a very manufactured persona yeah. in the best sort of Andy Warhol esque mm-hmm. way. Like she's not pretending to be somebody that she isn't; she is creating a persona. So too, I guess I sort of read- although underneath that she has the goods, so she has authenticity as herself. But I guess saying that authenticity versus inauthenticity is good or. Right. Bad. And maybe that's the thing. To me, it didn't seem like there was much of a struggle with her. This seemed like she's a young person who has this opportunity. Just wanted to make sure it was recording. Young person <laughs> has this opportunity. And, and, and you see that she is very sincere as a person. She doesn't want to just sleep with this rock star mm-hmm. or country rocks or whatever, or doesn't want to take advantage of his connections and stuff in a way that uh, her mm-hmm. father seems to yeah. push her. To, you know, and I get all of that. And so her struggle in the middle, I was like, well, what, what's the struggle? So she does or doesn't get well, along with her manager. Well, she's not actually though, to be fair to her. But that's what, I guess what I'm saying is like, what's, what's her arc and her story? And I, I think her character was less well-defined than, than his was. You say that it's about authenticity versus inauthenticity. That sounds like there's a moral judgment there. And I wonder if there's something else about- Well, let me be clear. Uh, when I'm saying it's about authenticity versus inauthenticity, I'm saying it's more about the idea of authenticity and it's challenging our- feelings about that. Mm-hmm. So the way that he's presented to us is this is authentic, right? But we we come to see through the movie it's not that authentic. There's a great scene at the corporate mm-hmm. event where he's in this moment of inauthenticity and he hates it and he's drunk, he's using 
but he steps up and he starts playing, you know, maybe it's time to let the old ways go and the crowd roars. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me was the moment where I, where I felt, oh, okay. The point he's making is this isn't any more authentic than you think it is. It's, it's just another performance. It's another yeah. guise to put on and he's hiding behind a guise the entire movie and the guise only slips. Obviously at the end of the film, when he finally goes to rehab, those moments in rehab, those great scenes with Ron Rifkin, so good, mm -hmm. are, are meant to show, I think, that for the first time, he can finally start to figure out who he is. You know, there's a saying, they say like, oh, you got sober, congratulations. Now you can start working on the other 99 things that are wrong with you. Right. That's the sense I feel like you get from his character. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's about he's authentic and she's not, not at all. I think in their own way, they're just, they're, they're both authentic people. They're both authentic artists. It's just the story is, Here's an artist who's already taken that climb up and is on the way down, and she, in the movie, takes the climb up. Can I tell you a secret? I think you might be a songwriter. But don't worry, I won't tell anybody. But I'm not very good at keeping secrets. <laughs> <laughs> the quibbles that I have with, with some of what you were saying, even though it all makes sense, is the 99 other things were there. I don't know that I think that his self-loathing has to do with taking the paid corporate gigs and stuff like that. And if so, that to me is a little bit naive. Like that didn't seem like him selling it. I was like, you do something to pay well, the bills, you know, like that's, but that's, that's showbiz part of humiliation. It, I, guess. I guess I've had enough humiliations already that that just seems like, like well, I know that like that's part of it. And like that part doesn't, didn't surprise me. It actually didn't seem so bad. It seemed to me like it was mm -hmm. his alcoholism, either a disease on its own or mm -hmm. a manifestation of Mm -hmm. other problems that he had had. Those were things that were there prior to those elements of the humiliation. The elements of the humili humiliation might have exacerbated mm -hmm. it. But to me, that thing of authenticity, it's something you grapple with and you, sure. and you, you decide like how important is it versus you also got to keep a roof over your head. Mm -hmm. you're, you're constantly jockeying back and forth between those things. But I didn't feel like he was wrestling with it. Some of the best things were just showing the behavioral manifestation of somebody sort of in the midst of it. For example, when he was talking to the drag queens in the mm -hmm. bar in the very beginning, when he goes yeah. back to the dressing room and meets Lady Gaga, you know, I know he has hearing problems mm -hmm. anyway. There was such like an open genuineness yeah. when he would ask people to repeat things yeah. that was um, about him being a genuine person yeah. wanting to sort of- he's He's listening, he's trying to listen, he's trying to, I mean- it's an obvious metaphor, but yeah, he's trying to listen. He's trying yeah. to participate. Hand in hand with that went that for much of the movie, he can't look anyone in the eye. And, and I think that's part of what I'm talking about, which is the sense. And as you know, like the cliche, you, you know, fucked up people make great art and all that bullshit, which is what it is. It's just mm -hmm. bullshit. As a director, he let it be her movie and her story. I was not, I was not overwhelmed by him. I thought he actually let it be Ali's story. Of course, it's the weight and the baggage that Gaga brings and seeing her the way we're seeing, just seeing her physically this way is so mm -hmm. kind of jarring. I don't think I've ever seen her stripped down and looking that way without makeup and so vulnerable and raw. So that informs your experience of the movie. If you've been following it her all and you're seeing how, how much stuff she usually hides behind, it's so obvious to cast her. You can't do any better than having her in this role, let alone how good she is. Yep. But I didn't feel at all like he stepped on her role in the movie. I thought he actually made a lot of room for it to be her story. Yeah, and I guess I, I just didn't see that too much. I saw so much of her story is sort of reflected in him, and it didn't seem like but she, she tells had her own story. too I much mean, it's her struggles. dad and her mom. I mean, she she tells yeah. that part of her own story. It didn't seem to to affect her very much, frankly. Like it, it seemed to be sort of well, she's <laughs> she's marrying a drunk. Didn't seem to affect her. She has the scene with Dice where she says, you know all about that, don't you, Dad? Mm -hmm. When he's criticizing her for being with a guy who drinks too much. Mm -hmm. So obviously the implication is that her wayward mother was an alcoholic. And here she is dating, falling in love, marrying an alcoholic, which is really what he is underneath everything else. Yeah. I thought her, her backstory was so perfectly rendered to me. I thought they placed her so accurately in – this world that she would occupy as a caterer waiter with grand dreams and ambitions. I, I really, Sorry, I was I, really moved by her story. I felt it was her story. Yeah. See, and I guess I, I mean, mean, it's called a star is born, which she's the star. I don't know if you missed that in the no, 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 title. No. <laughs> I, I think they missed that. It's in not called it. a star implodes. I, I think they missed it in including it. Cause they spent so much time on him and so much of her struggle was just about her relationship 
to him, but there there wasn't as much about what was her artistic voice. And but he isn't he a metaphor? Isn't when you say so much of her character was in reaction to his? Isn't that because in a way he is he is himself in the movie? It's a human story about two people and what happens to them. But it's also a showbiz metaphor, and in the metaphor construct, construct she's reacting to what has happened to him and is happening to him. I, I agree with you in the sense that one of the quibbles, when I said I liked the movie enough to have some quibbles with it, yeah. whereas like there's certain movies I don't like enough to bother quibbling with it. I'll or just, finish. Or for finish example. for that matter, <laughs> yes. I mean, it doesn't take much for me not to finish a movie. <laughs> Full Cast and Crew is brought to you by Chuckler. Chuckler features award-winning original web series from social media's funniest comedians, as well as the best stand-up comedy, parodies, fake commercials, and interviews with your favorite comedy writers and creators. Find us and like us on Facebook. Chuckler. Original comedy. Delivered daily. I I actually did want more of her in certain places. I wanted more of her experience of the career becoming overwhelming. I wanted a a little scene or two of... What's the movie that I thought did this very well? Oh, this is a really weird. <laughs> you're, you, you already know how it, off be, topic this is, is going to be. Justin Bieber concert. No, movie? no, but it's almost as weird. There's a scene in a movie I love called The Queen with Helen Mirren. Uh huh. Have you seen it? I have not. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> Helen Mirren plays the Queen, as you might have guessed from the title. And Wait, in this movie, it's a story about the Queen's life immediately after Princess Diana's death right. and how she is attacked on all sides, the public, the press, her own people from within the royal family and the castle, her own children, uh, the prime minister and his people are all trying to manage her and are all trying to get her to do what they want her to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a movie about how ultimately she finds her way through this after being a little bit uh, strayed and and losing her way and, and being obtuse and too stubborn to see and hear what's going on. Anyway, there's a scene in the movie where one of her handlers is interrupting a little breakfast that she's having and is asking her about the flowers left at the gate for Princess Diana in front of Buckingham Palace. And she says, oh, yeah, yeah, just just take them away. Not bothering to stop and think down all the implications of what she's saying. And this handler does a really good job of saying, oh, yeah, yes, mom, they were, they were wondering if perhaps they could use the side entrance and leave the flowers in place so that the people who place the flowers don't feel... Um, that their gifts are being thrown away. And she goes, oh, of course, yes, right. It's a scene about how her handlers, who have her best interest, steer her to the right decision in a moment where there's a lot of competing agendas. I would have loved a scene like that with a little more of the pressures that are brought to bear. I think that's what I mean that I I was missing because reflecting on the the relationship or the backstory is one thing, but in the present, in the moment, asking her to – React to yeah. stardom now is, yeah. is like I said, th- that was the thing that I was yeah. missing. But that may be that we're in the hands of a first-time director and there's a lot of story to get through here. And, it, and, you and know, we're professional film podcast people. <laughs> you know, obviously. I know, but you know what? I, again, for me, for me, it's, it's, it's rare enough to be moved in this day and age. So for me, being moved was enough. Let's, let's jump into the full cast yes. and crew because it's – if ever there was a movie that deserved sort of just the casting was so spot on and and so well done. Uh, did you happen to read the Wikipedia entry on this movie? Yes. The possible people playing the father instead of Andrew Dice oh, Clay? Oh, yes. De Niro. De Niro. To not choose De Niro. Pretty cool. I mean, mm. to go, you know what? I'm going to go with Dice. Yeah, who, do you, who chose who, do you think? <laughs> well, I think Bradley Cooper chose Dice. Yeah, see, and I, I think De Niro might have been like, look, I'll—, I'll I'll come in for the audition for this this cameo. I don't think De Niro has because to we did we did silver linings. I'll do you this, fit. but when it comes to actually doing it, listen, Dice is so good in this role. I totally believed him as a proud, complicated father. I felt his love for her. I found him charming and funny. I thought he was a fully blown out character with with relatively little to do. He did a great job with a small role. And I think that role was best small. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think- uh, But you didn't think he was great. That's what you're trying I, not to say. No, it's not- Just so say what that. you feel. Uh, I think what I, there was so much going on in this movie. If Robert De Niro had been in there- It would have been so that, much worse. It, it would have just been too overstuffed. Yeah. It's not a, a role that asked for too much of him. Uh, and I think I by know. just being sort of open and genuine, 
yeah. a lot of those things came across. I think one of the reasons why he's so good is as a comedian, he has to be present and aware of what's going on around him, unlike some of you actors who don't necessarily have to avail yourself of that everyday trait. Yeah. You can afford as an actor sometimes to get your head very far up your own ass. Well, not if you're a stage actor. (laughs) There's no room up your ass for your own head. That's a rich mine Uh, to mine. But uh, anyway, (laughs) I think that Dice brings a the best of the comedian's presence in the yeah. moment to this role. So I loved him. Let's start at the beginning. Bradley Cooper. You said you weren't, you've not been a big Bradley Cooper fan. It's funny. In movies like American Sniper, did you see that? It, it's continual. I saw American Hustle. There's continual movement moments in this podcast where I'm, I'm sitting across from a guy who I'm supposed to be able to discuss movies with and go to, someone, someone just sent me an email the other day going like, yeah, you know, you guys don't really go down the rabbit hole as much as I was led to believe from the title. I'm like, That's yeah, really because true. the guy I'm sitting across has never seen any of the fucking movies. <laughs> so how can I have a conversation about Bradley I'm Cooper's sure rabbit hole if you've never these- been in there? American Sniper is a, mov- is a movie where he similarly is extremely repressed and cannot right. express himself quite as well as he might. This movie too, his constrained nature, his the humanity that lies still like a like a glowing ember inside the charred husk of the exterior is yeah. so present through every aspect of the movie. Even even the tragic ending scenes, I mean, are just so so beautifully played and heartbreaking. This the stake for the dog and the those moments in the beginning, like you're talking about of the scenes with the drag queens and how he is with his driver. There's a perfect combination of kind of uh, obliviousness and solicitousness that I thought yeah. he hit the, the scene of very well. Um, he's made a lot of horrible movies too. When I was looking mm-hmm. at his page, I was like, my God, like it's just, it's so instructive sometimes to look at these pages and he's got like three or four great, yeah. arguably and great movies. And there's like, like 25 pretty bad choices yeah. surrounding it, which maybe like, that's the life of a working actor. That's where stardom comes from, I guess. You kind of hit it at a certain point. And then you you ride that as long as you I can. I was surprised at all the TV. Like, he was a TV guy I did, before yeah. he got mm-hmm. into the movies. I didn't even know there was a TV series version of Kitchen Confidential that he starred in. Did yeah, you? I, 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 I have no idea. You know, he's just not that into you. The Hangover movies, sure. Um, Limitless, I haven't seen. A lot of people like that movie. I saw part of it in an airport, and I, I didn't understand why people liked that, yeah. that movie. Uh, Hangover Part 2. Silver Linings Playbook. You see that? Like, I think that's why didn't I didn't see of, it. Well, you know, this is your much. chance to get back at me now. Yeah. Hey, well, you're saying not didn't miss much. Didn't miss much. I, really? I, that's another one of those movies. I was like, why are people making so much of this? Huh. How yeah, about American sort of Hustle? Richie Actually, DeMeo. that also is, that's when I, started, I like stopped that. liking David Russell. Really? Like, maybe because it seemed like it was squandering potentials. Right? It yeah, was. If I didn't was. know that that was Christian Bale, if I didn't, yes, you know, yes. hadn't heard so much about it, maybe I would have enjoyed it. It was a story. Yes, squandered potential is a good way to to put it. How about Guardians of the Galaxy? He is pretty funny in that. I mean, he's. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see two. Uh, I haven't finished it. <laughs> I'll get around it. <laughs> Sam Elliott. I mean. Perfect casting. Perfect casting. Man, that scene when he's out of rehab. I love the looseness of the the joking in the, the truck when he says, uh, just my damn luck that, you know, you looked like my son and I looked like your father. Mm-hmm. When Bradley Cooper delivers what I think is just an incredibly delivered moment when he says to Sam Elliott, you know, it wasn't it wasn't daddy that I idolized. It was you. And Sam Elliott, can't, he's just backing the car up and then turning into the camera with his face, a mask of tortured emotion. It's just, yeah. I, I was crying. I mean, it just- Sorry to focus on the negative. The uh, scene where their father's ranch was sold, yes. that was like the scene I, I disliked because everything that was so good about that scene, all of the, the subtlety and stuff of that was- missing in that scene where Bradley Cooper punches him. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what I would do different or better, but it seemed like that scene was to shorthand some dramatic tension, dramatic tension that had been building so beautifully little mm-hmm. by little. And um, those, those are the parts of the movie that, I, that would lose me a little bit when it was signposting things. What, what was being signposted for you in that scene where he slugs him backstage? That there's a tension a between the two of them. Not just a rift, but like this jealousy. I stole your voice, uh, you know, which is a clunky mm-hmm. line anyway. I'm glad, you know, they explicated it, it made uh, sense later. Uh, but putting it in that high tension scene with the punch, with this close up of the two of them, to me, it just seemed like watch this space kind of yeah. kind of moment. You I know, know what I mean, there were a couple of those, and you yeah. know, I'm super impressed with what Bradley Cooper did as a director, which is why scenes like that, even Roz, yeah, all of his scenes, it seemed like they wrote them very compactedly to sort of mm-hmm. amp up the emotion in an almost soap operatic way. 
which to me took away from the. Sure, but the, I mean, it's a, it's a melodrama. I mean, that's yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's like that's, that's like watching Star Wars and complaining that the lightsabers make a funny sound. It's not it's not dissimilar from a soap opera in some regards, where you're going to have to have emotional shorthand to get from point A to point sure, B. Fair enough, but you know, even an emotional shorthand, you could do better or worse. It's funny in the scene that you're talking about backstage after the father's ranch has been sold. The one thing I took away was not Bradley Cooper's rage over you sold the ranch and he didn't tell me. What I took away from the scene was when Sam Elliott says, I did tell you. You're just too fucking loaded to remember. Bradley Cooper is accusing his brother of, you did this without telling me. In fact, he did. He just was too loaded to remember. That's the authenticity of the moment there where you're getting it so wrong. And you you have the righteous indignation on your side. No, but in you're fact, right. yeah. you're the one who's totally in the wrong. And Sam Elliott is the guy who is in the right. So yes, I, no, no, I, I hear, but I, I hear what you're saying makes- too. Like I, I had some, like, again, there was some moments with the movie where I wanted a little more of what you're talking about. But again, underneath that, I was I was propelled by the emotion and that didn't get in the way. Going to the thing of authenticity and the voice. I mean, this, this is what's interesting to me about the movie is this, this idea of it's his voice, I, I, I'm so I'm fascinated by that. I think there's a lot to think about in this movie about he, the voice and how he, the, all the talk of you, I, you stole my voice. You didn't have anything to say. I had something to say. Like it could be true that Sam Elliott didn't have anything to say as a musician, and Bradley Cooper did. But the best vehicle for Bradley Cooper's character to say what he needed to say was in was to adopt a little bit of Sam Elliott's character's voice in order to say it. You gotta put them in, man. I told you I can't wear those things, but I wear them. It's just in my head, and I need to be here with everybody else. It's the only way to manage this thing, Jack. You're not gonna get back what you lost. It's the only way we can manage what you still got. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think we're managing pretty good. What do you want me to do? You know, the door's wide open if you, you know want to go. Don't start that. Show a little pride in what you're doing, buddy. Yeah. These are these issues of authenticity and inauthenticity they think the whole movie is really about. The word inauthenticity, those words seem like they have a moral judgment, which the movie seems to be so much about. The fact is you put these things together. Everybody is a, is a summation of mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different things, and there is no true authenticity. There is no, you know. That's the jaded point of view of the movie about stardom and fame, isn't it? To me, that doesn't even seem jaded so much as like that's oh, I th- think that's very, very human. Jaded. I think that, it's that's very incredible- like just understanding everybody is a, is a summation of mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different things. You are made up of the experiences and the people that you interact with. Everybody does have an element of that magpie sure. to them. But so inauthenticity in- makes it sound like like it's a deliberate thing as opposed to just what humans do. The movie is about show business and what it does to you and how do you remain human. I was really impressed with uh, Rafi Gavron's character of Rez, who plays the manager who finds Gaga. I thought that was another place like Dice's role where they made some interesting choices, which are not big, huge choices, but he was allowed to be a little bit more than the typically evil manager character that you would see in an inferior movie. Hmm. I thought that he had a realism and a pragmatism and a kind of um, tactile lack of willingness to be concerned with anything other than what he needed to do to get his act to the places he wanted her to go to. And I think, although we don't like it, that's the reality. You need this ruthless, focused manager to do things for you and your career that you're either unable, unwilling uh, to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought they gave him a dimensionality and let him be real, mm-hmm. uh, even though in the end he does pull some strings, which set in motion in some way the the suicide. <laughs> in some way? Well, in, in one very particular way. <laughs> um, Gaga. I mean, man, can't say enough. O- Oscar. Hello. Did you like, do you know her music well? Have you seen sure. American Horror Story when she was like- I didn't see American Horror Story when she was- uh, I haven't either. I actually said to Amanda after the movie, I said, she was amazing, but I almost can't imagine her ever being in any other movie than this. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true or not, but she's so this. Look, uh, to me, it's, it's like John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever, where it was such a perfect meeting of two things where both the story showed off the best that he could do sure. as an actor and he brought out a humanity of the story- Right. You mean so even though he was a classically trained actor and not a uh, meathead from an outer borough? I mean, he's from New Jersey. Uh, anything more specific, you're splitting hairs. Wow. Hello, Mr. Um, outer borough um, 
yeah, just because I can't, just because I can't insult you quickly, <laughs> doesn't mean that what I'm trying right, to insult I can you cut about out isn't whatever right. pause. But anyway, like he seemed perfect for it. He, I don't think that movie would have been as great with anybody else. Yeah. So to. Uh, I, and who knows if he'd be been as huge a star if not for something that showed him so perfectly. I don't know if Gaga so, is a great actor or not, but she is great in this yeah, movie. This is a and, it's a perfect and, uh, I mean, role for her. She's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I could watch her performance over and over and over again and find something always to watch in it. I could probably watch Bradley Cooper's three, four times and get something out of it, but I think hers is really nuanced. It's so That's interesting because both performances are, are excellent, yeah. but they're excellent in very, very yeah. different ways. And that's why which I, is, mean, of course, like, I feel like he let it be her movie, yeah, well, which when you're, well, you know, say that, but the writer, director, producer, star, like- You just need a few minutes off. It's a piece of magnanimity. Is that a word? It's Magnanimous? Like being magnanimity, magnanimity, yeah. Magnanimity. <laughs> let me write it down. Magnanimity. 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 Or is it magnanimousness? Uh, she was phenomenal and incredible and vulnerable and brave. The scene where she's in the bathtub and she, and he is trying to make her yes. feel bad for the Grammys and her coming back at it seemed to me so modern and so like of today. Mm. Not an effective You mean when he calls way. her ugly? That scene? I mean, that that scene, yeah. yeah right. uh, her, the way she was responding to him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everything seemed so now. I thought she played that as with, uh, this brings me back to sort of the backstory of her character's mother and I think the alcoholism that we're led to believe was in her family right. and why her mother isn't around. Her questioning of his hurtful behavior has the authenticity of someone who's used to it and knows that it's not personal. Although he's saying something incredibly personally hurtful, the truth of it is it's not really about her. It's about him. It's about how he feels about himself. Up until he's just he, trying to hurt her. Until he gets to "You're ugly," which is something yeah, that course. she is. You know, well, he's he's, he's looking he's for pushing the, weak- the he's pushing the buttons, and she's going. I know you're pushing my buttons. What's yeah. going on? And then he and pushes. Her consciousness he pushes of the that one is, button. I guess, the thing which, to me, felt just very modern in, yeah. in a culture where these we've seen these kinds of fights. We've we've known. We've heard. You know, in yeah. a way. Um, yeah. Uh, I would like to shout out two small roles. Alec what? Baldwin, no. perfect as Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I don't not, think another I, actor could, could have, have done, done it. <laughs> Alec Baldwin has has th- <laughs> has what? Uh, four four words, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Lady Gaga. No, even for Ali. Like a, no, he just says Ali. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say even for like the Saturday Night Live musical guest <laughs> introduction, he was like. I'm not saying all eight words. Can like, you even say ladies and gentlemen? No, or did you just say Ali? I think, it just, yeah. Whatever it was, it seemed like <laughs> so obviously short. Yeah. I, you know what? I didn't need to see Alec Baldwin. I was like, can, we could have done someone else than him, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, Barry Shabaka Henley, who yes. plays one of the limo drivers. I love that actor. Yeah, I've been a fan too. of his. Um, I love him in a movie that is not a great movie the Miami Vice movie directed by Michael Mann. You're right. Not a great movie. Jamie Foxx and- um, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. I like that movie despite its flaws. Um, and I thought those guys were so greatly cast and had such camaraderie in the house. And the and I thought she was great kind of in their presence, you know, yeah. in a modern way that you're talking about. The other guy that I want to shout out, uh, I loved the limo driver. Yes. Um, the guy from Heroes. The guy from Heroes. What's his name? This guy has worked on so many things, but he's always, I, I realized in looking at the IMDb pages of a lot of these actors and some of the musicians, uh-huh. like one, uh-huh. of the, the, one of the musicians on stage in the Roy Orbison tribute has been in like every, literally every movie ever made since the 1970s that features a band playing on stage. And he always plays guitarist. <laughs> like he's done this for about 50 years. He's in every single film. Greg Grunberg is the name of the limo driver. Greg Grunberg. Uh, uh, to go back to, but like that guitarist, like he's that's good, got a, that's a good that's career a good gig, niche. man. Well, I think he's actually performing music for soundtracks as his main gig, but they're like, we need a guy to play guitar in this scene. But he's exactly. in every every movie that way. Might as well, just goes to show, oftentimes a lot of these things, people are, are not all that imaginative. They're like, whoever did this same kind of role in that other, just get him. But Greg Grunberg has an entire IMDb page of roles where he has essentially one or two scenes in whatever it is. But I guess he reliably can perform yeah. those one and or two scenes. A, he's got a I would not be so look. cynical to suggest that his friendship with J.J. Abrams has anything to do with why he continues to be cast in so many things. <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with it at all. 
and certainly, I'm sure even he, if you did, Ross would make sure that you did not I, say I'm that. I'm sure he won the character of Snap Wexley in Star Wars Episode Nine by dint of his own performative skill. Full cast and crew is brought to you by Behemoth from Monkey Brain Comics. Behemoth is the dirty dozen meets the fly with little Spider-Man thrown in. Kids are turning into monsters and the government steps in to keep things quiet. Some are never heard from again, but others are forced on suicide missions on behalf of a world that hates them as part of Project Behemoth. Find it on monkeybraincomics.com or Comixology today. Who else did you like in small roles in this movie? Um, Ron Rifkin, you had already mentioned. Oh, Ron, wait, first of all, Ron Rifkin, the scenes between him and the the group first, the group meeting, wow, that had such power for me. I thought yes. that was such a well done, showing up late, not having his notebook, trying all the tricks in the book to not get it, even mm-hmm. though he so desperately needs it. Um, Rifkin's patience and understanding in that scene. But a hard-edged patience. Hard-edged, yeah. Well, this, yeah. this is the reality, you know, yeah. which is like- it's it's not for everyone who needs it. It's only for those who want it, and he's got to want it. Yeah. Um, a conversation between him and Ron on the bench, man. I think those are like beautiful. The, those are, I think, like the two scenes that he's got. Yeah, that's all he's got. That's all he's got. Yeah. And what's great is one is that kind of hard-edged patience versus then very quickly being able to be there. Yeah. When, like you said, when he does want to open up, when he is willing to be honest with himself or whatever. Yes. The, and another thing, I think Bradley Cooper is pretty open and has spoken quite frequently or it's enough. I, I think he's pretty honest that he's 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 in recovery. He's a sober person. He lives life as a sober person. He's he's mentioned and talked about this. I did not. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, we'll have to check that. I'm hey, pretty I'll sure he's talked it about it. If it's not true. I, if it's not true, you have to cut it out. But um, one thing that he got right in that scene with Ron Rifkin that I always want them to get right in movies that discuss things like sobriety is the black humor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's telling this horrible story of trying to kill himself and that he ripped the ceiling fan out of the ceiling and it laid there for, for months and months, months, six months. And the laugh that they share there is very true to the dark and appreciative humor of life's most insane moments that I think is not typically illustrated when you're talking about this type of thing. In a right. Movie. That was the breakthrough moment, like that the moment where he's laughing with Ron about that in that scene. And you're right. There is a shorthand at use in so many places in the movie, I guess by dint of necessity. I mean, you could argue yeah, maybe- it's already could, two hours and 10 it's minutes. It's already two hours and 10 minutes. But it's there in an efficient and effective shorthand for me. When you were asking about, like, I, I wish I could identify which was which, but the- uh, the drag queen at the beginning who oh, asked great. Yeah. Uh, Jackson to sign her Her, her fake breasts. boobs, yeah. When she puts uh, the boobs she, on the end, I got my boobs on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I loved all of that. I mean, it's it's so, uh, so much. Actually, and I guess that also, if I, somebody that can pick out an actual name, uh, is Anthony Ramos as Ramon, her best friend. He's great. Potentially- um, Throw away. Throw away role, a, a thing that could easily have, have been without differentiation. He felt so real, and the relationship between the two felt mm-hmm. felt so real. That's one of the things that I liked so much about the beginning of the movie, I guess because it spent so much time in the, the drag bar uh, and in the backstage, the camaraderie element of it and the, you know, I, I don't know too much about drag, but I've seen some mm-hmm. RuPaul Drag Race and sort of listened to RuPaul on podcasts talking about philosophy behind it and the idea of being who you want to be, sure. creating your own persona. And it's an act of uh, mm-hmm. self-identification. I loved it. And I, and I, and I loved seeing all those, uh, those performers sort of displaying that. Now that you'd mentioned how much of this movie being about creating an identity and what the music industry can sort of do to it, having drag performers at the beginning, having her come out of that, of a place where you're creating an identity, mm-hmm. uh, seems like a, an even more appropriate choice. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're coming around to my point of view. I knew that you would eventually. I think that the Anthony, <laughs> the Anthony Ramos character is one of the ones, again, where I would have liked a few scenes to show how in the whirlwind of her fame and the way that it can take off, that there, that, that, that might've been complicated a little bit. I don't know why I I wanted some of this, but I would have, I would have liked a few scenes that showed how even with her best intentions and her best groundedness about fame, 
that you can't control the reactions of other people around you, even mm -hmm. your friends and your family, and that jealousy can creep in. And I read a lot about like destroyed rock stars. So maybe that's why I have a little bit of a affinity and an eye for that telling tiny detail that can adequately represent the growing gulf between someone in the throes of encroaching success and the and the the people that previously used to surround mm -hmm. them because it's a gulf a gulf which exists between Allie and Jackson one of the things that I did appreciate about the way that uh Jackson was written was um how much of that is there and comes out in ways that are not obvious like when he's hugging her and she's looking at the billboard and his one yes. bit of advice about her finding her voice is a very nice and good piece mm -hmm. of advice. And yet there's something under there that sounded like a kind of judgment and a kind of you mean undermining from him? her from him. And I, that's something that I thought mm. was good about it because I think that that's probably a true you thing. Mean a, you mean a judgment about don't believe the billboard? On a big day like that, giving somebody a piece of advice in that moment, in that a way. a passive aggressive? It's a little bit passive aggressive. And yet watching it, you kind of wouldn't yeah. guess that. But you see the seeds being planted mm -hmm. for for the um, yeah. conflicts to come. I think it's true to life in the sense that you can have had an experience yourself, but if someone is going to go through their version of that experience, even though you might be able to tell them, oh, okay, even though this is the moment where you're standing on a beautiful bal balcony in Los Angeles and there's a billboard of yourself, th that moment has got some thorns and some layers to it that you totally. – like you can't – you can never quite say that or impart that to anyone – Totally, because, um, you know, look how, because there's going to be some amount of that that has to do with you wanting them to have the advice, but there's also something about you wanting to give it. Yes. I was on the edge of my seat or on the edge mm -hmm. of my pants. It seemed to be teetering on the edge of that passive aggressiveness turning aggressive, and it doesn't. What did you think of Dave Chappelle? Jack, I feel like we've done this before. Didn't think we'd do it so soon, man. Come on, bro, get up. There we go. You know, man, it's something about when we started playing, I always knew, like, you were going to do something. That you'd be all right. It's the first time I'm worried about you. I did wonder who that character was. <laughs> like, it's obviously a friend, and he's got a guitar around, so he must also well, be a Well, he's the guy that, that gave up what Jackson and Allie are pursuing for the reality of a family and a, and a grounded presence. I meant like, did they used to be in a band together? Well, did they used to be a musician. Together? For a moment, I was like, who is this? Hopefully you'll leave the moment where it cuts out, probably in the midst of one of my salient thoughts that I was contributing. And then I asked the Chris one. like, well, why didn't you put fresh batteries in prior to taping the damn thing? He said, we had two bars. Yeah, because you know, Chris doesn't want to contribute two Duracell AA batteries he doesn't want to consign them to the trash heap of history until their we time. We will throw has... away no batteries before it's time. <laughs> well, I'll probably even see if I can get a little bit out of this in my remote control at home. Maybe, yeah. Um, you can we, we polish the ends up or something. We were talking about Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, yeah. It, um, and actually, this is how obtuse I can be. This is not news to you or anyone who's <laughs> listened to two episodes. But uh, after the movie, we were walking home and and uh, Amanda, I said to Amanda, I sort of was questioning why Dave, Ch why Dave Chappelle, like in that role, and she was like, well, because in his own life, he actually walked away from the showbiz dream very oh, yeah. demonstrably and publicly. And he's the embodiment of the very reason that he's in the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, good point. Uh, one of the things that's funny about going through the IMDb pages is sometimes you end up finding like why they're in this movie together. So you can see that like, oh, this guy was in Alias with yes. like Ron Rifkin was in Alias with Bradley Cooper. And obviously they've been remained friends. Yep. Um, and um, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, you were probably mentioning Joan Didion. No. Who worked on the screenplay of the 1970 No, wasn't mentioning that. Um, I was mentioning- Josh Wells, who played Sookie. No, hold on. Oh, Eddie Griffin, who plays the pastor oh, yeah, who marries yeah, yeah. them. And I was kind of like, wait, is that Eddie Griffin? And I was like, looking in the IMDb page, I was like, all right, okay, Eddie Griffin was- had some appearances on the Chappelle show. Maybe that's why ah. I couldn't find any place where he crossed paths with, uh, with Bradley Cooper, but, right. uh, uh, Drina De Niro. Yeah. I didn't recognize. I was trying to remember who that was, but I'm she was in the assuming movie. that's Paul De Niro's kid. Paul De Niro. Paul De Niro. Yes. Right. Robert De Niro's brother, yeah, Paul. Paul. <laughs> that would be an amazing character to do. He's sort of like a, <laughs> he's sort of like an erudite, 
classics professor, <laughs> you know, at a small college. Upstate. Hey, you talking to me? No, sir. I am most assuredly no, not, I'm not talking He's like, to you. He's like a Niles Crane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so Drina plays the wife of um, oh, of, of Chappelle's character. Of Chappelle's character. Yes. Yeah. And got then, it. I noticed this movie's got a lot more uncredited uh, sure. roles than I than I usually also notice. shout out Lunell as the cashier who is taking his photo. Um, comedian Lunell, who we worked with briefly on World's Dumbest. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You know, the cinematographer is a guy whose movies are That's kind of the antithesis of the straight ahead. I mean, I think this is beautifully photographed. I thought that yes. the, the space of the framing mimicked what you were talking about in terms of the dialogue in the scenes. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised to find it was Matthew Libatique, who's who I think of as like a, it's psychedelic, insane uh, well, high, you know, black say, he's swan, Aronofsky, Aronofsky guy. guy. He's got a great IMDb page. First of all, he played First the well, photographer. He also had he had a role, an acting role. He did have this. an acting role. Yeah, the, uh, the photographer. This movie hooked me at the very beginning. Part of it was the, the, the sort of part or of the, it, but or, specifically yeah. like coming at him from behind as he's going yeah. on stage. Amanda noted, and rightfully so, we never see him from the perspective of the audience. We only see the audience from the perspective of the stage. Mm. Um, so it's very much, it's not a story of like mythologizing. Right. Oh, the, your battery ran out. You're kidding. Yes, I was kidding. You but got I me. Gotcha. <laughs> Don't Serves worry. Right, really. Serves you right, really. Serves you right, I mean, what guy doesn't put two freshies in? A guy who thought like, yeah, two bars should be enough. No, no, no. You don't know me. You know, does anybody really know anyone? I mean, I that's think that's, that's the point of the movie. About. That's the point of the movie. I, I thought it was beautifully photographed. Did and you I, see Mother? That I did not movie? see Mother, but I've heard you didn't see Mother. What have you seen? <laughs> Welcome to your moment, Chris. See, where there's that, one I, that I have seen. I took my parents to see that. You took your parents. To I've see. seen two movies called Mother. With you didn't like mother. it though. I, I oh, you did. It. You loved well, it. Well, I will admit it could have been a little shorter. Right. Uh, but. Was it operatic and over the top in a brilliant kind of yeah. hilariously Anytime that I'm like, what provoking the way. Fuck yeah. Is so happy. When I, the more <laughs> if I could be baffled by a film, I am I'm with it. So I really liked it. And that was that was a I would that like was to a see beautiful that. um it's a it's a you know, I'm not gonna tell you not to see it. It's just it's so big hmm. and straight that I, I wonder if I would be able to sit through it again on a TV show. Oh uh, like watching it on a TV oh, as really? in a theater. Because it's the sort of bigness of it. And I, I think by now you kind of know it's it's very yeah. different than what they kind of marketed it as. And it's a, yes. you know, spoiler for 2017's Mother. It's a weird movie. That it's an goes, allegory. Isn't it like a biblical allegory? Yeah, so he says, but- But not really. I don't want to take issue with Darren Aronofsky, but, uh, oh, but I don't think the biblical thing is much less interesting than than the than seeing his obvious pre-, pre um, have some seltzer, Chris. Then his obvious It'll help connect the synapses. <laughs> the obvious preoccupations he has with himself as an artist and as somebody who's been through some failed relationships, I think one of which ended relatively soon before he started uh, this movie and ended up subsequently dating Jennifer Lawrence. There's so much about being an artist and wow. uh, and the treatment of women. So you're saying that, that the artist's personal experiences you're assuming those are represented in the content of the film. It's not that I assume that they are represented in the content of the film, but I find those were the dynamics in the film that were more interesting than a biblical alle allegories are kind of boring to me. I mean, like, can you just sort of check How about off, Edward like, Gorey? <laughs> Edward, I He's love great. Edmund, Edward Gorey. Is or Edmund. 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 No, his brother, Edmund. <laughs> Close friends with Paul De Niro. Yeah, okay, enough said about, enough said about mother, mother or whatever. I really loved the cinematography. I thought it was... Um, I hate to use the word brave discussing something like where to put a camera. I thought there is a level of trust in the scenes. I, you know, I feel like if you're Gaga in this movie, you, you, you have to have a lot of trust in your director to go where she went. You're mm -hmm. going to get some footage that you'd really hope that he would use judiciously. Mm -hmm. And I think he did. I was on the emotional journey. I cared about the characters, even as I knew where it was going, because again, it's a melodrama. You could feel the portentousness I've learned. <laughs> that is a real word. A fact checked. Um, I was moved. To me, that's an accomplishment. That's an old fashioned movie accomplishment. Yeah. And um, the quibbles that I would have would just be that. Uh, I want to see more. I want to see Bradley Cooper direct more different kinds of movies. Um, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Color me interested, Chris. I 
agree, if not wholeheartedly, uh, mostly, because I, I would mm-hmm. like to see him do better. I I think the things that knocked me off of the emotional journey were the things that, that did seem like a shorthand that seemed mm-hmm. insincere. When you were saying about somebody like Lady Gaga needing to trust the director, mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper directed this, but he had the, the cin- cinematographer sure. uh, has a, an Huge incredibly role. impressive yeah. resume. The number of the writers around this, this guy, Eric Roth, who I know worked on the screenplay with yeah. Bradley Cooper, he is a guy with a very impressive uh, resume. In fact, I was just sure. listening to him being interviewed. The list of producers is pretty long, mm-hmm. and but with some uh, some names of people like not the least of which being Todd Phillips, people, you know, who have done mm-hmm. some stuff, you know, so like anything else, you work with people you've worked with before and your friends, you yeah. know, Todd Phillips was kind of made by the hangover mm-hmm. and so too was Brad, you know, so yeah. they kind of owe each other. Um, and I think it's really wonderful that everybody supported each other and allowed him to bring out uh, his best, both as a, an actor and as a, yeah. and as and a director. And it's a big old fashioned hit movie. Yeah. Uh, the songs, we should have to talk about the songs, even though we can't play the songs. The songs in a movie like this, almost impossible to get right. Yeah. And I thought they just knocked it out of the park with all of the songs. I thought they were actually good. I would actually listen to them. Yeah. Um, and I thought that they were also that critical moment, which Bradley Cooper gives us right away. First scene of the movie. The the, the critical moment is, oh man, here's a movie star who's going to try to play guitar on stage and be a convincing rock star. Everyone knows he cites, and it, they, it cited it in a review of this, which I never think... I, I, to me, I just think of how bad this was in the movie they always cite as the other movie that got it right, which is almost famous. Oh, uh-huh. Like, they always talk about, oh, um, what's his name? The skateboarding acting guy. Billy Crudup? No. Well, Billy Crudup, and uh, who's the other guy that's in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies? David Cross? No. The Jason guy- Lee? No, not Jason Lee, the other guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> J- J- uh, oh, up- it is Jason Lee. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Jason Lee. Yeah. So the band in Almost Famous. Okay. Um, it always gets cited as like, they actually got it right. It looks like they're really rock stars. Like Billy Crudup looks like he's really ripping on the guitar. No, he does not. <laughs> he does not look that way. Bradley Cooper, however, does. Um, and to to just get that out of the way right away was was great. And, and that's part of that like edge of your seat. Kind of like, oh man. Because if that is wrong, if that feels wrong, you're just... You, the whole thing doesn't work. Yeah. And right away, the song is great. It's a Jason Isbell song. I love Jason Isbell. He wrote that song. And I thought all of the songs were fantastic. The soundtrack is probably, I'm going to say right now, is probably going to go on to be one of the biggest selling soundtracks of all time. And I'm going to bet you that it probably will eventually overtake Saturday Night Fever and The Bodyguard is wow. the number one movie soundtrack of all t- sales of all time. Hey, that's that's a pretty ballsy claim. I think the songs are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think something like that, when you're asking the audience yeah. to react. It's like in a movie about painters. Would. It's always terrible. A lot of like furious close-ups of brushes on canvas and tortured looking artists like well, but, you know, smoking thing, cigarettes and putting yeah. them out in, in little mason jars half we filled We all with know water. what smoking cigarettes and all that stuff means. <laughs> the, the hard part is thinking about then unveiling the picture because yeah. invariably, <laughs> even the people who like artists be like, actually, I don't, that, that doesn't do it for me. I don't see why the world, why did the world go gaga over that one? Uh, Maybe It's Time is a brilliant song. I think Shallow is an incredible song written by Mark Ronson, Gaga, Anthony Rossomondo, and Andrew Wyatt. I think um, Always Remember Us This Way, which is the song where she's recording her first album in the studio and she kind of can't get it right in oh, the vocal he booth. In the piano. He brings in the piano and they're sitting down next to each other and they play that great song. You know what I wanted to ask? What did you think about them as a, like, a couple? The times when you would see them singing together, their styles are so different. Yeah. Uh, I actually really appreciated the, yeah. this sort of overlap of two mm-hmm. seemingly very opposite seeming people. And especially when their styles became more clear, like, yes. as she, you know, she developed it. And then to see them singing together when their tastes and styles, another sort of detail when he comes back after rehab to see the uh, neon La Vie en Rose yes. above the door, be yeah. like, what the, I gotta live <laughs> in this fucking place? Yeah, I think it's a pretty thankless task to try to, to, try to illustrate collaborative effort yeah. on screen in almost any movie, but particularly so in like, 
we're going to click musically now, you yeah. and I. It's so hard to do. And that's probably why they do very, very little of it in the movie, sparingly. Yeah. Um, but the connection that they have uh, with each other, I don't know why I'm going through this recently. I am responding most of all to very naturalistic acting lately. Is, well, that, is that something that happens as you get older? You wouldn't know. Yeah, probably as it is. Or Honestly, if you work I'm on a serious. podcast and you learn more I, from I, your I'm posing it as a, as a semi-serious question because recently I've seen a few films. Okay, another one. Have you seen the movie um, Adrift? It's actually a really good movie. And Shailene Woodley, if that's how you say her name, yeah. um, is fantastic and has a naturalistic quality to her acting that I, I, I really love it. I really like this director too. Um, Balthazar Kormakur. Is that the because I is that the same guy who did um, Margin Call? Did he do Margin Call? Or am I confusing that with a different boat? Movie? I love Margin Call. Is that the one with Kevin Spacey and? Um, no, that's J.C. Chandor. Oh, he, and he did the one with Robert uh, Redford on a boat. Who did? J.C. Chandor. That one's great too. Did you see that? Mm-mm. Jesus Christ! Did you see Margin Call? Mm-mm. <laughs> oh my God, Chris! Seriously, you're gonna have to see some movies, man. I think yeah. I think we've just seen some very different. You haven't seen Mother, which counts uh, as two. It doesn't count as two. <laughs> anyway, it's like four hours long. <laughs> Adrift is a very impressive movie because I think she found the source material. She optioned it. She's one of the producers. I think she put the project together for herself to star in. Yeah, and it's a really good movie. Um, I'm a sucker for Adrift at Sea films and books and no stories. Kidding. Yes. So did you see Life Life of Pi? I have. I have. Yes. Uh, I read the book. Yeah. Because that's just a higher. Because you're thing. intellectually superior. Uh, yes. <laughs> did you like it? Because it's a good book. I liked book. it. I liked it. Okay. It's not what I'm after when I'm talking yeah. about adrift at sea True. movies. You know, it has a fantastical, magical realism element. I yes. like. I like more. You know, we're gonna die. Well, we are gonna die. Talk about an ending. Yeah. One of the other notes <laughs> I got. Yeah. Okay. One other thing I want to mention. I thought the costumes were fantastic in this movie. Yeah. Stand out. When you talked about uh, growing to appreciate naturalistic acting. You appreciate naturalistic costuming. Well, it's one of those things that- (laughs) So I can't interest you in a Louis XIV movie. That can be natural. You know, (laughs) people really lived through that. But no, it's one of those things that like, if things aren't jumping out at you, you kind of realize just how- How good it is. How good it is. When just sort of looking through the IMDb page, uh, I I forget the, I just got off it to go to uh, JC Chandor. Um, whose movies you haven't seen? Whose movie? Well, I saw a Most Violent Year. Uh, is that Viggo Mortensen? No, it's uh, no, that's a different one. But uh, the this one has uh, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Is that good? You know, no, no, I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> Oscar <laughs> Isaac, the, the, great actor. He is a great actor, and he, he and Jessica Chastain. Everybody did a wonderful job. Can in I it. tell you something about Jessica that, Chastain? Have we mentioned this before? Yeah. I mean, I think she I cut does not it out. do anything for me. Did you? Why? I might have. Why? Because you didn't want to be insulted. Because in case you were no, going to get the job opposite no, Jessica Chastain someday. Something's got to get cut. And with oh. this much Well, not blood, what I say. <laughs> What's the best backhanded compliment you've gotten so far to your two episodes of I this podcast? I mean, specifically about this? To this podcast. There's too much of your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got to be me. It's up to you to cut me down to size. That's true. A guy that I used to do a podcast with was saying, like, oh, it's good to hear somebody like smacking you down more. <laughs> Something like that. Oscar you- Isaac, I want to talk about for a second. Did you see- Probably not, but- Inside Lynn Davis. Oh, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. I thought that was an excellent movie. The Coen brothers are hot and cold for me. Yes. That was that was definitely a hot one. Yeah. I liked parts, but it, ultimately I found it unsatisfying. I, the, the, the one enduring memory I have of the movie is that very beautiful, touching scene between him and his father in the retirement home. And it turns out just to be a shit joke. Like, I guess it's like, ha ha, you dumb viewer for having an emotional connection to what we just presented you, which is now just a joke about a guy shitting his pants. No, you see, but to me, that that's a that very was a little real, insulting to the viewer. That's a very real thing. Like as what? much profundity as you're going to have, as much as you're going to feel, that's yeah, there is the you know we are just sort of sacks of piss and shit. Wow, the, you know rolling towards an inevitable. Uh, Chris's worldview, ladies and gentlemen. You don't need to. Can separate you do that too? In the voice of uh, your favorite Germanic documentary <laughs> filmmaker. We are all just sacks <laughs> of piss and shit. That's good. I've worked on it. Anything else, Chris? In conclusion, in summation, since we were told that we need to have an ending. Uh, this movie, I think, was probably better than I gave it credit for. Uh. What do you mean? Now you're you, no, at the, no, no. the very like, last listen, thing you're saying. You're going to go back and and revise your yeah. Of course. I mean, why else think about these things if oh. not to 
to revise one's opinion. Oh, well, I mean, I have my opinion and it is. (laughs) It doesn't get revised. It simply is. Uh, Which philosopher was it who said, (laughs) I have my opinion and it is. It is. It is what it is. No, I think it was it was better than I gave it credit for. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Really? Uh, yeah, probably not. Interesting. I mean, there's so many movies that I haven't seen. That's true. Why would I uh, rewatch something that I, you know, think was, was fine? Uh, I'll leave you with perhaps this final quote from, I think, a Variety review of A Star is Born that I thought really got it right. Uh, this Variety review said that A Star is Born is more than a throwback. It's a reminder of the scrappy grand passion that movies are all about. And you know what? I buy that sentiment. A lot of times, you know me, it's just entertainment. I, yeah. I, I don't get the little, I don't, I try not to get too highfalutin about, about the movie. It's just the, it's going to the movies. Anytime yeah. you're somewhere where you can buy popcorn and candy, where it doesn't matter. It's entertainment. You know yeah. what I mean? However, in this day and age, it's, it was refreshing to see a movie that felt a little old fashioned, a human story really about two people told on a grand scale. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that the movies can do that it doesn't do enough. The end. Well put. Ending in five, Ending in three, four, one, three, five. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll let you, that, well, no, no, I'll let you win. Five, no, no, please. Four, three, okay, two, so, uh, one. Okay, right, bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Full Cast and Crew. I uh, just wanted to remind everyone to subscribe if you haven't already, so you'll get a new episode every Thursday. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at fullcastandcrewpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at fullcastandcrew, or find us on Facebook.